Hello, Attached to Hygiene listeners. We're getting towards the end of 2021, so our team is taking a little break before continuing to release new episodes in the new year. That means you won't be hearing part two of our sustainability series until after the new year. But we didn't want to leave our listeners empty-handed around the holidays. So, I chose an episode that stands out to me that I thought would be great to share with all of you again. Now, I don't really have a favorite episode, because I've learned something new and enjoyed every episode we've released. But when I think back to which interviews stand out the most to me, this one is the one I always think of. It was one of the first interviews I did for the show, and the conversation that the guests and I had was just really interesting to me. I thought our guests covered different aspects of the topic really well and shared several new ideas and developments that I didn't know about beforehand. So with that, I want to reshare an episode we released back in June of this year. It is my conversation with Christoph Morell about confidence. I hope you enjoy it too. And before we hit play, I do want to acknowledge that Christoph's audio is a little tough to hear at times in this interview, but I promise if you can stick with it and maybe turn up your volume a bit, you'll get a lot out of it. Enjoy. Consumer confidence is a phrase that is often used to describe the overall health of the economy and developments in business conditions in future months. But consumer confidence means a lot more than that, especially in the disposable hygiene industry. At a basic level, confidence means that the consumers expect the product to work, to absorb any insults, and to not leak. But beyond that, they expect the product to prevent any embarrassing smells or noises and to be discreet enough that people cannot tell they are wearing it. It also means they expect the product to be safe to use and not have any immediate or long-term health effects on them or the ones they love. Beyond functioning and safety, products can also play a psychological role. A product or a brand can help in restoring the confidence of an incontinence sufferer or allow a young girl to not be embarrassed by her first period or even give confidence to a new mom so they can enjoy a night out or return to their previous work or exercise routine. When it comes to confidence, there's a lot that brands have to consider in order to make their customers confident in the products they use and confident in themselves overall. Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene. I'm your host, Jack Hughes. On every episode of Attached to Hygiene, Bostic and other industry experts provide valuable insight into market and consumer trends in the disposable hygiene industry and how article producers can increase their success and reach their business goals. On today's episode, we're going to introduce you to the topic of confidence, what it means, how it differs across different markets, and how recent trends in the industry have changed expectations around confidence. Joining me today to talk about confidence and consumer confidence is Christoph Morell. Now, Christoph, you've been on the show before rather recently. So since you've already answered the question about your background and, and what you know interests you in the industry, I won't ask you about that, but I will ask you to tell us about the most interesting project you've worked on while at Bostic. Hey, Jack. Good to be here again. So it's hard to say. I'm... I'm not really into looking back at stuff, but uh, I think in general, I, I would not uh, have a specific project in mind in terms of, let's say, developing a new product or something like this. What I really like in what I do is explaining stuff, 
explaining uh, what we're doing to, to customers and also internally. So I worked a lot in uh, streamlining our R&D process, for example, for better efficiency or in how we develop solutions for our customers. So that was really interesting for me. Uh, when we started trying to use creativity to develop new concepts, so I really enjoyed that. And, and when we came you know, recently to defining our roadmap for sustainability, Again, explaining internally uh, what sustainability is, uh, explaining to our customers what we do at Boston and at Arkema. Those are really uh, you know, things I, I find very interesting in the work that I do at Boston. I will say that you are very good at explaining things for people who aren't experts in a certain field. I've obviously been on many of your internal trainings and helped with some of the external trainings you've done on whether it be webinars or presentations at conferences or even with some of our customers. And so I'm glad you enjoy that because I, I personally think you're very good at it. Oh, thanks for saying that. <laughs> you're welcome. Now, as I said in the opening, we're here to talk about confidence and, and consumer confidence. So can you level set the audience and tell us what we're talking about when we say confidence? Hey, that's a good question, I guess. And, you know, when we first got into the discussion, uh, as a non-native English speaker, I tend to use the word trust, you know, when translating from the French language. And so I actually had to work with my colleagues to really define best what we mean by confidence. And, and I guess it's a good thing, because in the end, I ended up looking at it in both ways. First of all, you look at how the consumers trust the product and the brand. And on the other hand, you can look at it as how they feel confident about wearing the product. So it's kind of both ways and both definitions and are slightly different, I guess. So it means we can talk about you know, product safety, product consistency, brand values. You know, this is all about the uh, trust part of it. And then, you know, for the confidence part of it, you, you can talk about the odor of the product or lack of odor. Comfort is also part of and, and the discretion. So it's how the, the consumer feels confident about the product they wear. And so it's interesting in the end. So we're talking about impressions and mostly, right? So last time, last time it was about comfort. Uh, this time it's confidence. So it's we talk about personal feelings. So you look at products that are not really purchased on specs, right? So you're not looking at the spec in terms of absorption, or it may give you some sense of the trust and confidence that you can put in the product, but that's not what you're looking at. So, you know, for example, manufacturers are... are I'm talking about absorption capacity in adult Inco products. So you have one liter, two liters, three liters. What for? I mean, consumers are looking at, you know, how confident are they that it's not going to leak? And for baby diapers, you know, you had in a few months or years back, you had this kind of quest, you know, in baby diapers towards maximum dryness. So you had manufacturers advertising for 12 hours of dryness or 14 hours of dryness. Uh, it's trying to, you know, put measures onto a, a personal feeling and, of, of confidence. And so I think that's why it's really interesting. That's a, a really interesting way of, of looking at it. And, and I, I had never really looked at it from, or I guess I'd only looked at it from the side of the consumer and being confident in the product and when they're wearing it and making sure it's not going to leak and it's going to be comfortable and it's going to help keep in the odor and, and things like that. But it, it's interesting as a marketer, I had never thought of it from the brand side and having that confidence in the brand. And, and you know, you alluded to it a little bit, the trust in the brand as well. But that's a really interesting way of looking 
at it and and there is that slight difference because you're gonna you're gonna have a, the confidence in the product and the product's gonna work but then the confidence in in the brand itself overall and that's uh so that yeah i i love that explanation and that differentiation and to build on that a little bit you mentioned some of the consumer confidence how is this consumer confidence and the changes in consumer confidence impact the industry overall yeah well it, it does that's for sure and you know again well, as I said, I think people, they, they already trust that the product will absorb. That's the function of the product. So then they're looking for kind of cues that will allow them to determine if they can trust the product. So it can lead the industry to uh, orient how the brand will position themselves. And again, particularly now that we're talking more and more about sustainability and so companies are have this forum to talk about what they are, what they want to be in those corporate social responsibility reports. So that's one element. The other cue that they can give to the consumers on how to convince them that they can be confident in using the product is they might lead them to innovate on how they define performance, right? Or, or how they write their marketing claims or how they start getting certification or labels, eco-labels. So it really certainly also drives the industry to um, design to, to, to reduce the thickness, for example, to improve comfort, to improve discretion, uh, you know, looking for uh, new, new ways to absorb the odor or to reduce the odor, etc. So there is this innovation part of how to uh, increase some levels of performance and give cues to the consumer that this will bring them confidence. And then there is this whole aspect of brand image and, uh, and, and trust. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think the, the big thing to keep in mind or the big thing that, that brands know is that consumer confidence is, is always changing or the, the consumer impressions and the trust in a brand can change very quickly. And it can also change depending on the type of product or the group of consumers, correct? Yes, yes. And um, I mean, there is probably a kind of a general uh, level where, you know, confidence applies to all market segments in similar ways. But in terms of how you define the value that the brand is and how you feel trust in the brand, maybe it really depends on, on your age, I think, in particular. you know, So uh, let's say a baby boomer that's looking for an adult incontinence product is probably not going to have the same expectation as a young parent or, or a teenage girl looking for femme care products. I, mean, I guess, uh, Jack, even you and me will probably... Um, almost 20 years in difference in age. So we probably have this different expectations in the brands that we're buying from, don't you think? I, yes, I would certainly agree. And so then when it comes to confidence, then I think there is this general aspect that you no know, discretion is really important. And so then you could you know, bring together femcare and adult inco where there is a, a need to be you know, discreet when you're wearing the product. Not so much in baby diapers. I guess you don't really, you know, parents are not really looking for discrete diapers for their babies. Having a diaper for a baby is really a fact of life. And then the other aspect of confidence or trust more is around product safety. So again, here I think we're kind of in the, uh, you know, the same at the same level in terms of expectations. So maybe for different reasons, I guess. I mean, the of a baby for baby care you know, everything that's related to babies kind of sacred so product safety is of paramount importance for babies and for fem care we're talking about intimate region of the body so it's very important as well and then for adult inco then you know skin is probably in a more fragile and 
and it was um, when you were 30 years old. So, so again, there are differences, but overall for product safety, this is a critical aspect as well. Yeah, and one that's becoming more and more important or maybe not important, but more widely known or widely talked about as, as consumers become more well-educated and, and do, right. do do their own research and, and have all this information at their fingertips through the internet and, and their phones. So yeah, it's hard, harder for brands to ignore that side of things for sure. Yeah. And so Christoph, when we talk about product safety and, and consumers being more aware and having this kind of a shift in consumer demands around product safety, it's hard to not talk about SOIs or substances of interest and, and chemicals of concerns. And you, and you were one of the leaders uh, in our research at Bostic on that topic of SOI and chemicals of concern and actually did a webinar on it in, in 2019. Can you talk a little bit about how that impacted the industry at that time and how it continues to evolve and impact the industry now? Oh, yeah, that's really a, a moving uh, field or topic. Um, and, uh, you know, you talked about 2019. I think it really started impacting it way before 2019, I would say 2017. And, and to be clear, I think, you know, the concern about chemical substances in baby diapers predates those those discussions. I mean, manufacturers are responsible companies. They, they do thorough uh, risk assessment to ensure the safety of their products. Uh, so, you know, they've been talking to the suppliers about these uh, issues long before 2019 or long before 2017. So, you know, the substance that we hear about these days are not new uh, to us. They are not a surprise. So what really started in 2017 is that it became more a public discussion, right? So, well, this is why we're talking about SOIs, substances of interest, Know, its interest to the public. And that difference really also is that we started talking about ultra traces of chemicals, very small concentrations. And we get into a discussion where the mere presence of a, of a trace of substance represents a risk to the baby. You know, this discussion is like, you know, spec versus a personal feeling. So on one hand, you have a specification. By this, I mean, for substances, for example, you know, you have regulations that limit the concentration level and indicate that if you stay below a certain concentration level, then your risk is limited and your product is safe for use. But on the other hand, there is a perception that the public don't want the substance at all in the product. So, you know, if I, I were to summarize where this is going or this has gone, I think that I would say three consequences. The first one is everybody's been doing a lot more of analytical tests to really investigate and determine whether those substances are present or not. The second aspect is that there are more and more brands or sub-brands out there that are making claims around absence of certain substances. And then I, I think sometimes those claims are really going a bit far and they're quite bold. That's my opinion. And then the third aspect, at least for Europe, is the fact that there is a restriction under which that is being discussed for categories of substances in baby diapers. And so that would be, in essence, the first piece of, of regulation specifically targeting baby diapers, actually. So that would be a, a, a big change. But this is happening in Europe. And again, I think this is a, a, a clear consequence of all the discussions that started in 2017 by the publication of uh, articles in, in news magazines. 
Yeah, and you mentioned the word perception, and I think that's that's kind of the key to this whole thing is it's the perception of what's in a diaper as opposed to the you know actual amount or the risk that the that specific chemical poses. If if a parent hears a certain chemical or substance is in in a diaper, or or and it, it doesn't matter what the amount is, if if that specific substance or chemical has a negative connotation to it, you're done. Yeah. You know that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, and, and whether brands or, or players in the industry like Bostic like it or not, at certain times, perception is reality. And that's, you know, that's what we have to deal with and react to and make sure that we're educating the consumers, but also making sure that they feel safe and that, that their perceptions change to one of, of safety and confidence and not concern. But it's been it's been an interesting one for me to follow along with as as we've created some you know content and, and other materials around this and try to educate our customers and, and by by extension and consumers to to follow how we communicate on this topic and, and how things have really just you know continued to change as more information comes out and these different organizations are are doing studies and things like that. I'm sure there's, <laughs> we could talk about SOIs and chemicals of concern and everything around that on, on its own episode. And, and we, we may down the line, but bringing it back to uh, some of the other aspects of consumer confidence, as I mentioned on the last episode, you spent a lot of time a few years ago on a adult incontinence specific market study and really diving into that industry and, and, you know, the different people and suppliers and caregivers that, that make up that industry and impact the products. Can you touch on what you learned in regards to consumer confidence and discretion when you conducted your adult income market study? Yeah, well, that's really, uh, I mean, that's really one of the situations where confidence is critical for the wearer. And again, here, I'm making a distinction between incontinence problems in a hospital or, or nursing home environment. And then on, on the other hand, there is the more uh, you know, light incontinence episodes that can happen to women or men that enjoy their active life. And so I, I remember figures of around like 400 million people in the world experiencing some sort of incontinence symptoms. And so that's that's about what, 5% of the population. And incontinence touches, uh, I think, twice as many women than, than men. So and it can hit at relatively young age. So in that case, really, there is a if you're young and you have incontinence issues, there is a feeling that something is not working well. So you feel really ashamed about you know, talking to even your own doctor. You still have this uh, number in mind that came from, you know, is discussing an association of patients in the U.S. They, it takes an average of seven years for a person who has incontinence episodes to talk to their own doctor. So it's really a taboo situation. And so Pushing yourself to go and buy the right product is also difficult. So I guess that now with online purchases, you have this relative anonymity that you know makes it uh, maybe a bit easier. So all this to get to the fact that if you don't trust the product, you know, if you don't trust the brand that you buy, if you don't feel confident, then it, if the product will let you down, you know, with a leak or a strong odor while you're waiting in line somewhere, or uh, you know, you have your that by stress and it gets a coloration because it's getting wetter uh, because of a leak, then it's really hard, uh, you know, hard on you. Again, in a situation where it's really relatively taboo, you really want to feel confident. So again, that aspect is, is critical for the adult incontinence. 
Yeah, and you mentioned the word taboo there, and and I think for me personally, uh, that's that's the one thing that I like to see that's changing a little bit, at least in maybe Western culture. You know, you you, you see commercials with you know active users of of adult incontinence products and telling their stories, and and they're more widely available. So I think the taboo there is is hopefully decreasing a bit, but that's just in West, Western cultures. It's it's a little different in other areas of the world, and I think you could say the same thing around menstruation. And, and periods, you know, the taboo around those is changing a little bit. People are talking about more of them or talking about them more often, trying to change that that conversation a little bit as it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something that's completely natural and, and happens to literally half the world's population at some point in their life. So it's, uh, I, I love to see that that's changing a little bit and the taboos being removed, but obviously still a lot of work to do there in, in the areas of both adult incontinence and feminine hygiene. Yeah, the, the the blood is no longer blue in the uh, commercials on TV for femcare products. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. I, I mean, it's just, it's like I said, it's such a, it's a, literally such a normal part of life. So it doesn't need to be, what's the word I'm work, looking for? Uh, kind of prettied up, you know, it, it is what it is. And yeah. we should, we should treat it as something that's normal and natural and not have to hide behind dyes or, <laughs> or different colors to make it easier to talk about. Yeah, and for feminine hygiene, I think the confidence aspect, you know, around discretion, leakage protection, you know, odor is really very similar to adult incontinence. And, you know, it could actually extend to the packaging itself, you know, how it's designed, you know, how much noise it makes, you know, when you remove the product from the pouch in, uh, in public restrooms. So that's discretion and that confidence. An interesting concept that I saw uh, reading through some patents. So I think it's only a concept, not an actual product. It was the idea to add a chemical substance to uh, to the pad, a chemical substance that would discolor the uh, the blood, so that uh, as soon as it's absorbed, it it would become colorless. So in that way, the user would not see the the stain of the blood getting bigger, you know, and possibly getting closer to the edges. So therefore, signaling a potential leak, and, and you know making the woman feel uncomfortable about this. And so, and basically they, they would say in the patent, even if the, the liquid leaks, it's no longer red. So that, that's okay. So really going very far in order to, um, to improve confidence, at least in the concept phase. But another aspect of confidence that I would mention in FemCare is what we investigated recently around the concept of what we call stay in place. Right. Well, we called it that way, but I think every or many do also. That's not novel. But what was new in what we did is uh, we we actually looked for a method to measure what this feeling of stay in place. How you can measure this feeling for women? You know, the, the feeling that uh, you know they can be confident that the article will stay in place whether they are sitting on a couch or or they are on their what is it you call that a peloton bike. You know, or, <laughs> or running outside, or you know that the article will not bunch or twist or deform and then leak. So that's part of this whole confidence that the, you know they uh, they trust that the article will stay in place while they're using it. And, and that's I think I was also saying that you know you have to then find a way to actually measure that and and the typical measures measurements that we do like peel force for an adhesive for example don't help you in there so we had to we had to look for a method again in order to send a cue to uh, to to the consumer that it will work for them
Yeah, and I know our team's put a ton of time into that, and we've started to put some materials and some information out there on that specific test method. And uh, I know probably by the time this episode airs, we'll have a lot of a lot more to be saying about the stay in place test method and and its impact on femcare for sure. That's good. <laughs> so I also wanted to touch you. You touched on we touched on AI. Well, actually, before I move on to that, I, I wanted to make a comment that 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 patent you mentioned on the the color changing of the men's the menstrual blood once it once it enters the pad and is absorbed is is really interesting. It'd be interesting to see if that technology develops more <laughs> and and uh, what impact that'll have on the industry and other products. And ultimately, I guess my first thought or one of my first thoughts was could the the color changing make someone unaware aware that the product is going to leak or that there's this risk of leaking, what role would that play in in consumer confidence? And I know you touched on that briefly, but it'll be interesting to see where that concept goes, if it goes anywhere at all. Yeah, I'll be curious. So the one thing you mentioned as far as the stay in place testing goes is is adhesives. And I wanted to uh, ask you to maybe speak on what other roles adhesive can play in consumer confidence. Yeah, and I mean, the stay, as you said, stay in place is, is, a, is a great example because really there the adhesive is an integral part of the, of the article and the consumer is aware and the consumer might even really realize that this is what makes it work. So it has a great role here in, in confidence. But then, then if we go back to what I call confidence, so first, I think we talked about trust, so trust in the product, trust in the brand. So as an adhesive, we have to provide material that enables our customers to to provide that level of trust to their consumers. So we need to keep delivering consistent products that will provide day in, day out, the same level of performance so that with the same recipe composition, then the producer will be able to make Again, a product that delivers the same level of confidence in every bag, every time the consumer buys it and uses it. It means that we need to keep delivering, I would say, safe product, but that's not really uh, the, the, the right way to describe it. The whole idea is for us to deliver a product with the right level of transparency and information so that our customers can, you know, they are doing the risk assessment to ensure that their products are safe. So they can establish that with our adhesive, this, is, this can be done, that the, the finished product is safe. So really, this is what drives our choice of ingredients, that, you know, it drives the way how we take, how we care in, in how we manufacture our products, and it drives us to be more proactive when we can to uh, improve product safety. But then when we talk about confidence for consumers, you know, the consumers don't want to feel a product that is more discreet, that is so it typically it's going to be thinner, it does not smell more than acceptable, it will not, not leak. So all of these aspects are also enabled to really adhesive in help, helping, you know, changing the core design, design the right type of core with the right level of performance, right thickness, the right fits. It's going to help them build the proper elastic part to ensure leakage protection and, and good fit. So that's how I view uh, how the adhesive play, play a role in, in confidence. Yeah, and those are those are great points, and I think the 
education and the awareness standpoint is huge in, in confidence, as you mentioned, and that consistency is really big as well. And actually, our, our next episode, we'll be talking to Diane Tunin on consistency. So I think that's a, a great segue and a great a great way to, to wrap this conversation on confidence up. So thank you, Christoph, for joining us again. Uh, as you just joined us for our last episode, I really appreciate it. I think this was a great conversation on confidence, and I hope that our listeners got something out of it, and I hope that you enjoy talking talking about it. I did, Jack. Thank you. Thank you for revisiting that episode with me. I really hope you enjoyed it. Before we wrap up our last episode of 2021, I want to share two quick items with all of you. First, if you haven't done so, I highly encourage all of you to sign up for our Attached to Hygiene newsletter. Every two weeks, we'll notify you of the release of our latest episode. And starting early next year, we'll be sharing early access to some exclusive content we've created around sustainability. And we'll continue sharing exclusive content in the newsletter throughout the rest of the year. All of this content will be shared with our podcast listeners and subscribers before it is shared on our website or in our other email campaigns. So if you want to be the first to be updated on everything we know about important industry topics like sustainability, absorbent core, feminine hygiene, and others, check out the link in the show notes to sign up for our Attached to Hygiene newsletter. Second, for those who didn't get enough of hearing Christoph Morell's voice on this episode, he was just featured on a podcast that we'd like to share with you. Bostic recently launched another podcast called Bostic Talks and Transitions. The podcast is all about finding inspiration, collaboration, and learning from CSR experts from both inside of Bostic and other multinational companies on how to transition to a more sustainable business model. Christoph is featured on episode three of Bostic Talks to share our strategy around sustainability in the disposable hygiene industry. We'll share a link to that in the show notes as well. As always, you can stay up to date on Bostic and other industry news by following us on LinkedIn at Disposable Hygiene Adhesives. And lastly, I want to thank everyone who has made Attached to Hygiene possible this year. Those people are Paul Andrews, who oversees all of our content creation here at Bostic, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman from Green Onion Creative, who do such a great job creating all of our content. Mike Andes, who created our show artwork, all of our guests from 2021, and lastly, you, our listener. Thank you for sticking with us to grow your knowledge and influence in the disposable hygiene industry. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next year. Thank you.